You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 305 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. I don't do enough episodes on magic and I guess this one will be a bit scattered. But aren't they all? (laughs) And why is that wrong? It can still be entertaining. Besides, if you want to learn magic, you gotta dedicate yourself to it. It won't be transmitted to you in full in a simple podcast episode. So I just want to sprinkle some spice into your life. And if you like the taste, maybe you'll cook the dish. But before anything, we need to hear from the greatest magician that ever lived. Merlin. What are you afraid of? I don't know. Shall I tell you what's out there? Yes, please. The dragon. A beast of such power that if you were to see it whole and all complete in a single glance, it would burn you to cinders. Where is it? It is everywhere. It is everything. Its scales glisten in the bark of trees. Its roar is heard in the wind. And its forked tongue strikes like... Like... Oh, like lightning. Yes, that's it. How can I? What? What shall I? Must? Must I? Do nothing. Be still. Sleep. Rest in the arms of the dragon. Dream. What is the stone that burns? Sulphur. To mix with mercury. What is that root? Mandrake. The essence of it can prolong the act of love. And if too much is taken? Pain and death. That's it. Oh, you do know something of the art. Do you have the sight? Do you see the future? Sometimes I dream of things that come to pass. Look now. What do you see? What will be? I see a castle of silver and gold. Up there. Oh, that plan is well known. You have to do better than that. It's a lonely way, you know, the way of the necromancer. Yes, to know too much. Lacrime mundi, the tears of the world. But the power. The joy! Moments, fleeting moments. I can ease your loneliness. Let me help you. Teach me. Ah, the days of our kind are numbered. The one God comes to drive out the many gods. The spirits of wood and stream grow silent. It's the way of things. Yes. It's a time for men and their ways. Hello, Natra. 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 Hello,
Anal Nafra, Urbas Bethan, Dochel Dienve. Anal Nafra, Urbas Bethan, Dochel Dienve. That was from the 1981 film Excalibur, a film based on the Arthurian legends, and in my opinion, the greatest film ever made. I think it's awesome, ever since I saw it when I was a small little child. It, it's got it all. And without this film, and without this film, there would not be this podcast. Because the film sparked my interest in the Arthurian legends that would send me down many, many rabbit holes. Eventually, I ended up in the Amazon with a cup of ayahuasca. And it was the ayahuasca that told me to do the podcast. Anal natrash urtvas besut doshel genve. Anal natrash urtvas besud doshel genve. Oh yes, I know it by heart. Kinda. Uh, magic is real. That's my point of this episode. Do not think it's not. Because it's all about the mind. Once the shrooms told me that magic is easy, just do it. Just do it. This was a profound insight for me. Those in the know, they know what I'm talking about. If you could see me winking, you would. If you want to dabble in some easy magic, you know, to start off your life of magic, then why not try to make a sigil? Perhaps many of you already know how to make a sigil, but if you don't, then you'll learn all about it right now. And if you already know, well then sit back and revel in the fact you know more than everyone else. A sigil is a type of symbol used in magic. The term has usually referred to a type of pictorial signature of a deity or spirit. In modern usage, especially in the context of chaos magic, Sigil refers to a symbolic representation of the practitioner's desired outcome. The following little audio is from the YouTube channel Foolish Fish. Go check that out. Basic Sigil Magic Austin Osman Spare is credited with its invention, though there's no doubt that Grant Morrison was the one who made them as popular as they are today. And this form of magic involves no contact with any entities, which is probably why it's considered to be so safe. Sigils have existed for as long as magic has, usually to call entities. But in this version, instead of using the sigil of an entity, you create your own sigil. Then you activate it in the way I'm about to describe. And then the real work begins, but I'll get into that too. If you've already got experience with sigils, I hope you'll pick up a trick or two here anyway. And do leave any comment below if you have any examples that went well or badly, and anything else that you think might help someone making their first attempt with sigils. Step 1. Write your intention. The very first step in sigil crafting is coming up with a sentence. A sentence that describes the situation you wish to see manifest. Should be easy, right? Well, not necessarily. There are rules, and they're very sensible rules. Rule number one, the sentence has to be written in the present tense. 
you're going to be sending this instruction to your unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind is like the horses in front of a chariot. When the driver, so your conscious mind, is busy with something else, that is, most of the time, for most of us, the horses get to go wherever they like, and they usually go to the places they're familiar with, which is why it's so hard to break habits. If you can trick them into believing that they're familiar with a place that they're actually not used to, there's a better chance of them going there instead. So the sentence needs to be written in the present tense because you're effectively writing a situation that you want your unconscious mind to consider to be its new normal. Let me give you an example. I see real live flamingos twice in the same week when executed as if true by your unconscious mind, gets you in front of real live flamingos twice in the same week. I will see real live flamingos twice in the same week, however, puts you in the situation where you are constantly about to, but never quite do, get to see those flamingos. Seeing the flamingos always remains in the future, which is not what you want. That's your current situation. Rule number two, never use I want. This is directly related to rule number one. Your objective is not to want. Your objective is to be, to have, to do, to see, to experience, to achieve, not to want. Wanting implies you don't have, which may be true right now, but you're doing a magical working to get out of the current situation and into the situation you're describing. So your sentence should sound like you're looking into a crystal ball and describing the situation of future you. Not, I want to taste banana ice cream, but I am eating banana ice cream. Rule number three, be realistic. Magic works by increasing odds of something happening. The unlikely situation becomes more likely. Not the impossible situation, there has to be a route. If your sentence is, I win the lottery, but you never buy lottery tickets, then the odds are zero. And if you multiply the odds by a thousand, which feels about right for this kind of magic, a thousand times zero odds is still zero odds. Now let's say you start buying lottery tickets. The odds of winning the lottery are 1 in 14 million. Multiply your odds by a thousand, now you have a thousand times more chances of winning the lottery, but that's still one chance in 13,000. It's still not likely enough. So you want to be aiming for outcomes that are believable. You need more money? Write your sentence about getting a pay rise, or for a job opportunity, or for inspiration for a side hustle, or a stock market tip or an introduction to how the stock market works, or whatever you can conceive to be possible, but you just need an extra bit of luck for things to work your way this time. I can't emphasize this enough. This isn't Harry Potter. Sigils just put luck on your side, which is a tremendously powerful thing, with a little practice and a good idea of what its limitations are. It quickly becomes quite easy to then accumulate chains of smaller effects one after the other to get to where you want to be. Rule number four, be as precise as you can in seven words or fewer. Remember the fairy tales of Trixie sprites making wishes come true in ways that didn't benefit the hero, or in some cases even made the hero worse off? This is the mindset you have to adopt when writing your desired outcome. 
Now, sigil magic doesn't use spirit contacts. There are no wills involved other than your own. So if things pan out badly, it's not because it amused a pixie or whatever to see you suffering. It's because it was the shortest, easiest route to you getting what you asked for. So ask for things you really want and don't expect the mindless process that will get you there to know what you really meant if it's not exactly what you wrote. Step 2. Turn your sentence into a sigil. So now you have your sentence, write it out fully in capital letters and go through it letter by letter. If it's a vowel, cross it out. If it's a consonant that's appeared earlier in the sentence, cross it out. You'll be left with just a handful of consonants. Here's where you get to channel your inner artist. Use the letters to create an unrecognisable design. So just pick any of the letters, the first one's fine, draw it and then add another letter onto that and then another letter onto that. And you just keep going until you've added all the letters in one way or another, more or less recognisably, onto your design. There's no right or wrong way to do this, just add as you feel fit. Feel free to add little embellishments here and there, little squiggles, little circles, little triangles, wherever you think they might look interesting. And by this time you should already not be thinking about what your sigil means, but just about making it look nice. Once I have a design that I'm satisfied with, I always draw it out again, a few times, simplifying it until it becomes just a few squiggles. And then when I'm fully satisfied that it looks like nothing, but it looks quite nice, then I put a circle around it and I cut it out. Step 3. Charging the sigil. Grant Morrison got quite a bit of attention for suggesting that the way to charge a sigil is to be looking directly at it at the moment of sexual climax. In truth, it's any moment of conscious absence you're looking for. A moment when your consciousness shuts down temporarily, just for a few moments, to give way to unconscious reflexes. So during a short violent rush of adrenaline, a moment of great fear, a moment of meditative stillness, a moment of ecstatic appreciation for something beautiful, or even a sneeze. But yes, Grant Morrison's method definitely works too. Step 4. Destroying the sigil. Now you want the sigil to go away so that the intention that you put into it can be released and the only place that energy remains is in your unconscious mind. Roll the sigil up into a tube, pop it into an empty jam jar or an ashtray or something that will safely contain a flame for about 30 seconds and take it outside to set it alight. A little word of caution about fire and magic Always assume that if there's a chance for something to catch fire when you use fire in magic, it will. Please take the necessary precautions when burning your sigils and never do it indoors. Enjoy watching the flames as you burn the sigil and know that your intention is no longer on that piece of paper but working within you already. Step 5. Think about something else. This is probably the hardest step. The point of burning the sigil is so that the intention can happily live in your unconscious doing its job, like a little computer script running in the background. 
constantly on the lookout for little opportunities that are too small or remote for a conscious mind to notice, gently nudging you towards this decision or that decision to eventually make your requested situation a reality. Now, if you invite that intention back into your conscious mind, it's like a micromanaging team leader summoning a worker away from their workbench for a status update every five minutes. After a while, the worker doesn't even bother anymore because as soon as they get started again, they know the manager's just going to interrupt. However, just don't think about it is easier said than done. The best trick to work around this is that every time you find yourself wondering if the magic is working, just turn that into a reassuring narrative for yourself using gratitude. Something like, I'm so glad that little sigil's doing its job in the background, freeing my headspace up so that I can do whatever I can do on my side too. Now the results can be quite surprising. There's an awesome site called Sigil Engine, S-I-G-I-L Engine.com, where you can easily generate a digital sigil. Go try it out. Uh, I'll leave a link in the program notes for that. And if you go to nationalalchemist.com and look at the cover for this particular episode, you'll see a sigil I made uh, over at sigilengine.com. What it represents, I you shall never know. Magic is everywhere. Some think magic is a dark, evil, satanic practice. And sure, some of it is. Uh, it's like guns, you know. The gun is not evil, it's the person holding the gun that can be. Magic is the same way. Even though using magic for egotistical or evil reasons might feel empowering, it will drain you in the long run. Using it to aid the world and others will provide energy and will, long term, work more in your favor. I actually have a story where where this guy I know... Let's say he's a magician and uh, he knows how to make curses and blessings. And one time when he was going to fly, the person at the check-in desk uh, or whatever, where you buy the tickets, I don't know. Anyway, they caused some trouble for him and he he almost uh, missed his flight or something. I don't know. There were some problems. Anyway, he cursed him for this whole life. And for the next life and the next life, like two reincarnations, he put the curse on him. So anyway, later when he uh, met me, because the reason he was flying was to meet me, uh, he told the story, and I told, and I said like, uh, "Nah, rem- you should lower the curse. I mean, uh, it's too big of a punishment for for such a, a little crime as like making you miss a flight or something." So he agreed and he lowered the curse to to just this lifetime. And then later I managed to convince him or he convinced himself to um, have it end a week uh, later or something like that. Which is fair, I guess. Because I believe that dark magic, even though it can work, and I've seen it work, uh, it's best not to, to go that far unless it's absolutely necessary. I remember one time, I probably told this story before, but I, I was in an ayahuasca ceremony in the Amazon and uh, you have the curanderos, you know, the, the shamans, but they call curanderos or curanderas. Um, 
the women. And um, uh, there's also something called brujos, and they're like uh, evil, evil shamans, you could say. I, I often liken them to the Sith Lords in Star Wars, and the good shamans are the Jedi. Anyway, during the ceremony, apparently, the brujos, uh, who weren't there, but they were there in their astral form, uh, they attacked... And there was a battle in the astral plane and luckily the Jedi managed to defeat the Sith. And um, to me this is... And to me this was spectacular. Because, you know, unless you've experienced something like that, you, you, you I mean, you wouldn't believe it, you know. Once you see it, you are amazed that Stuff like that actually can go down. It's not only like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, you know. It can also happen in reality. But what is reality, really, other than just another kind of dream? So magic magic is real, and most of us stop believing. A good example is Santa Claus. I, I have children, and my oldest child, five... Uh, I was worried this Christmas that she would uh, figure out that I am Santa Claus. Uh, but luckily she didn't. Uh, but I might tell her before the next Christmas that Santa Claus is not coming. But I'll dress up as Santa Claus anyway. Um, and you know, the reason I... Well, you know, why do you lie to your children? Well, the thing with Santa Claus is that it... I mean, the look on her face when she sees the magic of Santa Claus is priceless. And uh, I think that provides a love for magic. Because I also believed in Santa Claus when I was a child. And the seeds of magic was born at that point, I think. And it never went away, even though I realized there was no Santa Claus. It's more like a Coca-Cola advert that went out of control. But there's another aspect where I live in my part of the world where um, during Christmas you have some... Well, it's actually all year round, but uh, particularly during Christmas we have something called uh, Nisse. Nisse can be translated as a goblin, elf, I guess. Goblin or an elf. But there's really no proper translation, I don't think. So Nisse... Often imagined as a small elderly man, half the height of an adult man, maybe, or even smaller. Uh, I think some of them are really small, like the uh, size of a hand or something. Often with a full beard, dressed in traditional farmer garb, like a pullover tunic, belted at the waist and knee breeches with stockings. And the Nisse, you know, they live uh, at the farms... They take care of the animals and do all kinds of menial tasks to help the farmer. But if the farmer doesn't take care of the Nisse, he's going to turn on you. You know, he might let, let the animals out. He might set the barn on fire. You know, so you gotta you got to be respectful to the Nisse. Anyway, um, I believe in the Nisse. You know, if you go to the DMT realm, there's plenty of Nisses there. Um... And so I bought I bought a small little door, the size of a hand, I guess, and I glued it to the wall. 
And I told my uh, daughter that, uh, oh, the Nisse has arrived. That's his door. So she started leaving gifts outside the door. And the next day he nibbled on it. And she started writing letters to him, like small little pieces of paper with some, a few words she can write. And Denise wrote letters back. Uh, every time she got really excited uh, when she got a new letter from Denise. And then, of course, when Christmas was over, the door disappeared. And uh, so when she's older, she's going to say, I know you were, I, I know that you were Santa Claus, but were you also Denise? And I'm going to say, no, I wasn't. Uh, but that's not a lie. Because it's like that quote from V for Vendetta. How does it go again? I paraphrase. Artists tell lies to convey the truth. And uh, so that's what I'm doing. Because if I believe in the Nisse, there will be Nisses. If I believe in God, there will be a God. Because when I dream... If I dream about an elephant, lo and behold, there's an elephant. And magic is that easy. I will never forget my first DMT trip because I was such a case going into it. I mean, if you had known me when I was 19 years old, I was into Jean-Paul Sartre, Alfred Camus, Marxism, Freud, I was a jerk, and uh, and I came down from it, and I said, I can't believe it. That was all I could say for about 20 minutes. I was like in shock. I said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Jesus, I can't believe it. And I said, you know, I've got to go back to square one. All these people I dismissed. All these people who say the universe is made of levels, who say there are disincarnate intelligences, who say that the, you know, death is not simply the yawning grave. I had dismissed all those people as crybabies and sob sisters, and I said, no, you know, the point of view that I previously dismissed is apparently what's actually happening. So in a single experience, I was converted from naive rationalism, realism, reductionism to my present position, whatever it is. Really, all I've done is worked out the personal implications for me of the DMT flash, and I've also tried to create linguistic models of it. Um, so the worth of it is that it shows you beyond a shadow of a doubt that the world is made of magic. That's what the world is made of. Not natural law, not interlocking cause and effect, not any of these things that are normally assumed. The world is magic, not a little bit, 100%. Every atom from one end of this cosmos to the other is magic, magic, magic. Certain concerns just die in the first 30 seconds of the DMT flash and can never be brought back to my mind. I felt in danger of dying from astonishment when I did it. And I do every time I do it. I mean, I, I, I don't know how they keep the lid on this stuff.
I mean, I think that this is the secret that wants to be told. So the DMT creatures are mean traders of some sort. And what they're offering, these things they're offering, are the equivalent of glass beads. They're saying, oh, this is the sort of thing a quasi-intelligent primate ought to be able to respond to. <laughs> say, how, how would you like this? Say, oh, wow, let me have that. Say, well, just a moment. Uh, uh, you know, uh, can't you give us a piece of your folklore or a, a chunk of religious ontology or a little bit of uh, political philosophy and then we'll give you the Bible. And so there is a trading. If you like this podcast, but want to feast your eyes as well as your ears, perhaps you should head over to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Simply search Natural Born Alchemist channel on YouTube and it shall appear. Or click the link in the program notes of this episode. I put a lot of effort into the videos I make and hopefully you'll enjoy them. If you want to support me, please subscribe on YouTube and even better, leave a like or a nice comment. YouTube is severely lacking in nice comments, so with your help, let's change that. Anyway, I hope I will see you there. There are many ways to support the podcast. You can write a nice review on iTunes or give it a good rating on Spotify. You should do that because I don't have any so far because I haven't been on Spotify that long. You can follow me in social media, Twitter, Born Al- at BornAlchemist over, over there. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search for National Alchemist channel. I'm also trying to inspire people to stop watching corporate media. If you want to join me, head over to change.org slash Cancel-MSM. Now, here's the beautiful Silver That Cries by White Lighters. Go to whitelighters13.bandcamp.com and that's 13 as the number to check out this artist more. All the links can be found in the program notes and on naturalbornalchemist.com. Freedom is in the mind.
drunk and happy. Then we grow up and get sober. <laughs> <laughs>